Welcome to the Ignition Podcast, which takes your life for cars and shows you the possibilities. I have conversations with people in automotive and motorsport to discover how they got to where they are today. CEOs, racing drivers, influencers, and more. If you're interested in how these people live their lives and what they've done to get to where they are today, you're in the right place. Oh, do I have an episode like no other for you? This is not my normal chat with a guest. Vicky Butler Henderson is one of the top automotive journalists in the world. Coupled with her larger-than-life personality and amazing story, Vicky has travelled over the world, and if you listen carefully, you will understand as much as I do what makes her as successful as she is. If you are a budding journalist or presenter, already have skin in the game, or just love who she is, you will enjoy what's to come. You need three things. You need luck, money, and... Oh yeah, honestly, I had the best childhood ever. It was some element of cars, whether it was Formula One or... I like to think it picked me, and I just remember wonderful journeys on the way back home after a race where we would just dissect everything and chat it all through. They were really magical times. Driving was, was really what I loved, and I wanted to be a road tester. Whatever you are passionate about, I so strongly urge you to try and find a, a career that that fits that top gear tv they were looking for a woman who could drive and mm. and there i was unfortunately you have to learn on the job it was just wham bam there i am on bbc2 learning my trade you know top gear finished bbc2 didn't mm. want a car show at all you don't really get feedback <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't really happen what does occur though is if people wanted to complain about you they had to write a letter but now on social media if you don't like somebody boom gone i am a real half glass full human being i'm so optimistic driving cars i've got i believe i've got the best job in the world you like cars right that's why you listen to this podcast well i've got exciting news the ignition podcast is going in person i'm creating a space for all of us to meet i'm inviting guests audience members and business owners that I've had on the podcast. Now, if you want to meet some of the guests we've had, well, this is your chance. I want you to email me at harry at to come to the event. It will be on Friday the 6th of October from 6pm to 9pm. There will be music, food, laughter and most importantly, a quick explanation of what I plan for the future. So if you want to come and you're interested in knowing more, please shoot me an email. I look forward to seeing you guys in person. Drivers, journalists and presenters individually, but never someone that is... All three. So um, for you, I, when are I they know. coming? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great. Now, for you, what is what is a car? For you, like, what, what does a car mean to you? I guess uh, that really. I mean, what a great question to start with, because when I was uh, when I was twelve years old and I was racing carts, I sort of I class. Am I allowed to class a cart as a car? Yeah, anything with four wheels. I guess yeah, I can yeah. get away with it. <laughs> So that, that I just fell in love with the the competition element, the speed, the skills that you need to try and get the maximum out of the cart. And at the age of 12, in a cart, there's not a lot of suspension or aerodynamics or anything like that that you can play with. So it's proper, how do I make this chassis start dancing round for me? And I think I just fell in love with that. So then when I eventually progressed and started racing cars or you know driving on the road age 17, then it's, that is still fundamentally what makes me tick. I love to make a chassis, just move around and dance around. And for the car to look like it's totally out of control, 
but be fully in control at the helm. That's massively what makes me tick. But also, perversely, I, I quite like um, being you know, really slow in town. So I don't, so speed's not a massive thing. I, I like sort of the discipline of being slow in town and anticipating other drivers. And I like reading the body language of other cars so that I can sort of second guess, you know, what's what they're up to. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that would you, be... yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't expect people to describe cars as having body language, would you? That's not something I've heard before, at least. No, I know, <laughs> but it, I suppose it's it, obviously they, their body doesn't physically move. <laughs> But I think it's the intention of the driver, you know, that that then sort mm. of gives away if they're impatient or if they're chilled or if, you know, you can. I think it comes from racing because when you race, you have to analyse every single car and every driver that's around you all the time. So you need to work out where that person in front of you is slower, where they're quicker, where you can improve. So you're always reading um, the race, as it were. You know, you're always reading cars. So I think I transfer that into into normal road driving and just you know have a read of what's going on god I'm, does that, do i sound like a mad woman <laughs> i mean no it's no, maybe if you don't people don't understand cars and racing yeah you sound like a, <laughs> but no <laughs> thanks harry <laughs> any, anytime anytime um no i i, I completely get it as well because i used to i used to race carts when in, in the early 2000s when i was when i was growing up and you get exactly the same you, you learn how it dances you learn how it moves and you do you want you don't want to crash <laughs> so you are looking at the people in front of you and behind you. But what got That's you into it. karting? Because when I was doing it, especially, there weren't a lot of young women. There weren't a lot of girls doing it. So why did you get into it? What what got you into getting behind the wheel of a wheel of a cart? Well, my daddy, when he was a teenager, he was in the British karting team. And he eventually went on to be a farmer. So I dug around the farm barns one day and found this old cart chassis of dad's. And he stuck a lawnmower engine on it and I just went up and down the farm road on it and loved it. And bearing in mind, I'd been sitting on his knee for many years previously on in tractors, steering wheels. You know, so I, I loved movement of, you know, of any sort. So when I could get this cart on my own, you know, up and down the cart lane, up and down the farm lane, I just loved it. And then we went because dad had been a racing driver, you know, when he was younger, he knew where to go, what to show me. So we went along to Rye House cart track in Hertfordshire, which was my local one. And we went to watch a race, a proper race. And I was just like, dad, we need to do this. So we then went and, you know, got a modern cart with a modern <laughs> engine. And I just started, started practicing at Rye House and then eventually started racing. So I've been racing since I was 12. So it's all thanks to my dad. So I always say to people, if you've got anybody, a, a neighbor, an uncle, an aunt, anyone, a cousin who's into motorsport, you know, take somebody w- with you, offer a youngster, you know, the opportunity just to open that door to motorsport and see if they like it. It, it worked for me. I, was, I feel very lucky that my dad wasn't into golf, for example, because I'd have had a very different, <laughs> a very different life. It's a, it's a different thing picking up some golf sticks in the garage versus picking exactly. up a go kart. That's a that's a different experience altogether. Who, who and, uh, got you into it, Harry? Um, I I don't know. I I sh- was just chucked in a go kart when I was about eight, I think. Um, I used to have a neighbour. I still do actually across the road who's had BMWs, Subarus. loud cars (laughs) and I guess waking up as a soundtrack every morning has has been been what I what got me into it like waking up and seeing like just my window and and going what's that what's it what's he got out today but yeah I think that's what I 
I've never been really asked. Thank you for asking. I've never been asked. Oh. <laughs> it's an interesting question to um, discover on my own podcast. But there we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, what, yeah. cl- what class did you race? What did you get to? Oh, this was only, um, this is only Butler Park. So it was just kind of like, they, they take me out and I, you, you go for the half an hour, hour session. Yeah. I don't think I ever went, nothing, nothing mad. Uh, but I was like, uh, you'd show up on a, on a Saturday, you do the hour, the hour and a half, and you race there. Um, I wouldn't know what it's called back then, no, but no, no. yeah, that was that was it. Great, great experience though. Brilliant. The more time anyone can get behind the wheel of anything, two wheels, four wheels, lorry, towing a caravan, whatever, just gives us all better experience and better skills for being better drivers. It does. Yeah, you know, I guess it's also you know, being safe on the road, you need to know how to deal with it because most people, and it is a stereotype, isn't it? Binning your car at 17. <laughs> the kind of people that deal with cars there we are yeah have no, you been um, binned one i did two let's not talk about it um <laughs> <laughs> moving on um so certain people may listen to this though uh, <laughs> my dad being one of them <laughs> who, who when i said to be fair when I, when I said i was having you on he, he kind of lost his um lost his mind in the kitchen so i, I was like to, him, to you <laughs> hello hello daddy <laughs> oh. so, so what, what was that again that family life like then for you because you, you have siblings what was growing up in the farm what, did you have did you have people to people to talk to people to play with oh yeah honestly I had the best childhood ever because being on a farm you know you just you have access to everything outdoors and just driving you know on stubble fields driving tractors I did a, a lot of, around harvest time sort of corn carting alongside mm. dad and the combine harvester so it was very much an outdoorsy life which was wonderful and I've got a younger I've got an older sister and a younger brother and my younger brother got into motorsport as well so we quite a sort of a car family and honestly every single meal I remember as a child had, had you know some element of cars whether it was formula one or um you know whatever so car chat is definitely something that's always been around for sure <laughs> and yeah. I, I remember as well when I used to race carts with dad so dad was sort of my main mechanic my runner after her my taxi man whatever he was everything and I just remember wonderful journeys on the way back home after a race where we would just dissect everything mm. and chat it all through they were really magical magical bonding times i think so mm. I'm, it's lovely to have it's okay to talk right well Takona is a brand that's changing mental health awareness i have always been one that's found it hard to talk and that my feelings well they weren't exactly best spoken once i found Takona and learned more about what lewis does i was amazed that a clothing brand is making people aware just with one simple logo if you see a Tacona t-shirt, a shirt, a cap, a hat, a sticker, whatever it is, you know that person knows. It's okay to talk. And because they want to help spread the message, Tacona is giving us 10% off. So if you listen to this podcast, in the show notes below will be a link to the website. And if you use code IGNITION10, you get 10% off store-wide products. So enjoy and enjoy the rest of the episode. I took my family, so I've got a 12-year-old and a 9-year-old, and I, I took them to an indoor cart track for one of their birthday. And it was just the, the four of us in the family. My husband came as well. And I started the day, and I said, look, kids, do you want me to, do you want to follow me around and I'll show you the racing line? Mm. And nobody was interested. So I was like, right, well, sod you all. So I just went out and just, of course, had to get the quickest time of the whole family because <laughs> that was my as number you one do. priority. <laughs> 
beating my own children. It's ridiculous. Um, but you're right. They just wanted to go out and have fun. They didn't want to understand about how physics works. You know, what happens to the cart when you brake or when you accelerate? What happens to all the weight distribution? None yeah. of it. Just wanted to have a laugh. Which we did. And no one cares. No one cares. Weight transfer and a short, you know, no. cutting. <laughs> no one. No, no, no one is interested unless you're no, really just, looking for the, that that tenth. Exactly. Exactly. Just, uh, but how did you? I guess when so when the fun not when the fun stopped because I guess it's never stopped. But like you know when you when you look I've I've got to grow up and become an adult whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> what were you looking for in in, in a job or career? Because I, oh. I try and figure out why why you picked what you've picked. Well, I like to think it picks me because when I was at school, I thought, oh, I'll be a, I quite like to be a lawyer or a vet or something like that because I was quite interested in those aspects. But I ended up doing A-level English as one of my A-levels and really enjoyed writing. And I just happened to meet somebody, I can't remember, at a function or something, I don't remember quite where. And he was in the marketing department of a big publishing house called EMAP which was based in Peterborough. And he's just said to me, look, uh, you know, I was, I was racing then. I was racing cars. So I was 17, 18, doing my A-levels, or just done them. Mm. Anyway, um, went, he said, look, there's a, a job going as an editorial assistant on Car Mechanics magazine, which was part of the EMAP car portfolio. If you're interested, let me know and I'll arrange a meeting. So lo and behold, I went along had a sort of little interview and they said we'd love to have you would you like to join so my love of cars and racing and my passion for writing just you know drew me basically to this job so I, I was a um, editorial assistant on car mechanics magazine and then emap had a big um uh, sort of recruitment drive where they pulled in youngsters who they thought had potential to be really good journalists I was again at the bottom of the barrel somewhere. And so I went along. So I've, I have a diploma in journalism hmm. that was a six month yes. course. And then I went back into an office environment and started Max Power magazine, which then became one of the most successful sort of modified car mags around. Oh, was... Never heard of it. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that was my, my magazine sort of history, really. And then I want so Max Power was wonderful and I, I was staff writer on it for about a year but I really wanted to express my driving the driving was was really what I loved and I wanted to be a road tester on a car magazine so I eventually got the job as a road tester um, I went to car um, auto express magazine and then I became yep. news editor and road tester at what car magazine and that was all lovely. So that was sort of my main mag stuff before I went yeah. on to TV, before I came, became a telly tart. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the television stuff is really interesting, but you, you, you mentioned something, you, you said it, it picked me. So it, like for me, I know that everything happens for a reason. That's what I like to believe. Is is, is like is fate and a destiny something you believe in heavily or is it something you just kind of like, you go with the flow? How you how you sort of do uh, that? Yeah, that's a good point. I think I just go with the flow. And I so strongly believe that your passions will lead you somewhere so you clearly have a passion for talking to people and you know social media and podcasting and stuff and you're so lovely to talk to may I say oh, so that is <laughs> um so you obviously have a passion for that and I have a passion for driving and writing and it, and it kind of like led me that way so whatever you are passionate about I so strongly urge you to try and 
find a, a career that that fits that because then you know you don't have to rely too much on on sort of praying for things to happen but you just roll with it and have fun yeah, it's being curious, isn't it? At the end of the day, the, the, the more curious you are about life, because like even even picking up a go kart at twelve and not knowing what it is, what it does. I mean, that's that's being curious by nature. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's it's something that I think you know it's one of those like, one of those soft skills that people don't really talk about. I guess you know everyone's banging on about you know can you do algebra, but actually, are you able to have a conversation and find out something about someone? Is something that I I only learned when I started working. Actually, this isn't something that I've always been. I've always been quite timid, actually. And so learning oh. to speak to people was, was something I did in restaurants um, and <laughs> being yeah. thrust in front of people. But I would say for anyone, hospitality is a great, great way to learn to learn to have a conversation. I totally agree with you on that. 100%. I've done my fair share of um, very bad waitressing. Who says anyone's great at it? I mean, as long as you, as long as you can carry a plate and bring food, as far as I'm concerned, you're, you're great. Um, yeah. <laughs> So no, but we're digressing into hospitality. That's not not where this was supposed to go. Um, no, but the, the again, you the, the TV side of things was what was it like to the transition then? Because I I can't imagine going from working and testing cars, writing about them, you know, in that sort of you know Max Power era, journalism era. What was the te- the television transition like for you? How did it how did it change your perception of the industry? Well, they it was it all came about that um, Top Gear TV. They were looking. They were looking. Oh, how did it work? They were, yeah, they were. I think they were looking for a woman who could drive, and mm. and there I was, stuck on the bottom of somebody's shoe like a piece of rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Top Gear was so desperate, they picked me up off that shoe and were like, "Yeah, we'll take you." Um, so I just, again, I think it was just my passion. You know, there I was as a road tester in a car magazine, doing something I absolutely loved, um, and became. You know, got the chance to to sort of have a screen test for Top Gear and and they accepted me and the first thing I did for them the first item I did combined all of my loves I raced at Brands Hatch a Mark II Golf GTI in a sort of in a hot hatch championship so I did a, a re- one whole race as my first ever presenting piece so not only did I have to learn to to walk and talk and stuff like that that I hadn't really ever done before I'd only you know run around with a notebook writing notes so that I would then write about them later on so standing walking and talking to camera and then racing and talking oh my god when you race you don't really talk really unless you're Max Verstappen who obviously (laughs) pit to car stuff is a bit different but you know at club level you just you don't you don't describe anything that's happening about your race because you're just focused on your race so I had to sort of learn that quite quickly as well learn that skill but that I mean that was amazing so that was my first ever item for Top Gear it was a, a race at Brands Hatch and a golf it was brilliant it, I mean what, where else where else <laughs> exactly but what was lovely is is basically because I'd been writing about cars for so long I just transferred the skill to talking about them. So I still assessed cars in exactly the same way, but I just delivered them in a different way. And it is unfortunate that you have to learn on the job. There was, there was no little, you know, there was, it was just wham, bam, there I am on BBC two learning my trade, you know, and I I think I'm still learning it now. (laughs) 
I think we're all still learning, aren't we? No one, no exactly. one stops learning. You get to get to eighty, so learning things you didn't know beforehand. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's a great, that's a great attitude to have. Where did that, where does that come from? Just you know, wanting to learn. And I think it stems from when I was a youngster. Like I was, you know, if something didn't work out for me, whether it was tying a shoelace or you know something, it was just try and try again, do it again, do it again until you can do it. You can't give up. It was a, you know, I think that was just inbred in, in the the family, which is a lovely attitude to have, I think. So now, to, you know, when I I've been out on a five k run today, so I try and run most days, and even at sort of four and a half k because it's so hot out there, I was like, okay, I, I might I might just walk the rest. I was like, no, I'm going to stick with it. Keep going, keep going. Don't give up. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you if you got to four four and a half, that those times yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. Very very easy to come up on, even if you are slightly going slightly slower. But no, I, I again again, you know, that's a great thing to be brought up with, and it's something that you can again, it's a skill that you learn. And what so what was there? Because you've gone from Max Power, which you know was a kind of a startup. If you look at it, you know it's very quick. Everything's fast paced, so there isn't a lot of chance to learn. You're just kind of you're kind of in it, aren't you? And that is, and then moving to Top Gear again, you're kind of just in it. Yeah, is you got ability think, to just dive. Yeah, yeah, I think that there's there's that also known as winging it. Um, I think because I had been on the journalism court, you know, six months intensive journalism course, I was sort of better prepared as a journalist than I was to be a TV presenter because mm. that that really was no no hiding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've not looked back at any of my early Top Gear um, items. And I shan't be doing so for a very long time. Ah, but, give it a go. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it is. But the, again, I, I, I was unlucky enough to not grow up watching you on Top Gear, I will say. But Fifth oh. Gear was something I enjoyed immensely. Oh, yeah. so don't get, don't get me wrong. Um, and growing up, we you know, Top Gear, you know, with the clocks and everything, you guys with Tiff and you know, Fifth Gear, I was, I was brilliant. You know, I think I was extremely lucky to grow up and that be a point where I had that as an as a, as a you know exposure for me. So what was I that love when you it. when you when you're doing that? Were there any like mentorship mentoring you? Was like was people helping you out? Was any of that? Because I'm it, I think that getting a mentor or someone that knows what they're doing is extremely helpful. I I'm, I find it immensely helpful. So was there anyone like that for you? Well, I when my first item for Top Gear went out on TV, I was still working at What Car Magazine, and the phone went on my desk, and the phone and picked up the phone saying, "Hello, What Car?" And <laughs> he's the person at the end of it. I said, "Hi, it's Jeremy Clarkson here," and I was and I just looked around the office thinking, "Oh, someone's someone's having a you know taking the Mickey," but it wasn't. It was Jeremy had rung me up just to say, "I think you did a really great job. Well done," um, and. He, he was a really good person. He is an amazing broadcaster. So mm. in that role, he was a really good person for me to to be around and to watch because he, uh, my Top Gear years were with him, Tiffany Dale and Quentin Wilson. So it was, it was a, a glorious time for, for learning for me, so it was, which was great. And then when I went on to Fifth Gear, so Top Gear finished, BBC Two didn't mm. want a car show at all. So um, Channel 5 then rang up a few of us and said, do you want to make Fifth Gear? So that's how that started. And then Top yeah. Gear went back on a year or so later in with the three three chaps format. Um, and we carried on with Fifth Gear, which we have been doing now for about 20 years. So we make a series every year, pretty much, 
So we're still going and we're on the Discovery Channel as well. So that's where we are at the minute. Yeah, I mean, for those that are listening that are, you know, sort of, you know, stuck, get out, get out of YouTube and go see the Discovery Channel. Because there, is, <laughs> there is, there is more over there than the, YouTube. Is one of those things where you know you look around, and you go, what do I do with that? And it's, it's almost like it's become its own. Like you know, I, my parents tell me about you know when BBC and ITV were the only TV shows. Like you know, yeah. you've got all this, all these shows, and people are putting their own content out. And and how how are you finding that? And what is your opinion of that? I guess because I'd be, I'd love to know what you think of people. That are now becoming journalists just by picking up a camera and going for it. That I mean, that's amazing for me. There, there is. I always believe that if you're a journalist, then you need training somewhere along the line, mm. and you need to be able to interpret facts and figures and put them out again in a, you know, easily digestible format. I think anyone who can just pick up a camera and and talk or whatever, I, I'd say that was sort of more entertainment than you know, than, than the hardcore journalists who've sort of earned their trade on magazines. So that's where I lie. But there, there's room for everybody. Always, always room for everybody. So whether you're an influencer or a journalist or, you know, it's we we have an insatiable appetite, it seems, for all content. Um, mm. So much so that I've obviously launched my own YouTube channel. <laughs> So I You've become one um, of those. <laughs> well, I so I've just taken some of the cars which I really love that I might not have been able to do on fifth gear just because mm. they came out at the wrong time or we were filming at, you know, certain months of the year when the car wasn't available. So on my YouTube channel, I've just, you know, I take some really fun cars and just do my thing on that. Yeah. So it's sort of like a car review or, you know, any topic, electric cars, hybrid cars. What's the future going to hold? Who knows? They're going to be putting gas up the air and chucking in cars. Who knows at this point? I honestly pick pick a pick a fuel and stick with it. Um, <laughs> I know I'm, I'm only joking, but no, it's. But when you mention hard craft as a journalist, journalist again, you know that is an actual. It's it's a proper craft. I mean, I can't do that. I I I'm a bit. I I could. I don't know. I'll give it a go. We'll see what happens. Um, but for you, you know, but when when you did move to you know fifth gear and you you changed who was around you how did you how did you grow what did you do to you know change did you change much was there any feedback given I mean how did you grow as a, as a person during that time well, that's that's a really interesting point because you don't really get feedback mm. oh, okay. <laughs> which you know like in a normal job when you go to an in mm. an office you would have I don't know a six months assessment or you would have you might have some goals I know not every job is like that but definitely in tv or in motoring motoring side of tv that doesn't that doesn't really happen what does occur though is when i was first on top gear so that was in the late 90s um mm. if people wanted to complain about you they had to pick up a pen write a letter <laughs> put it in an envelope get a stamp and put it in the post box okay so that so it takes a bit of an effort if you want mm. to complain about something and I have had complaints oh she wasn't wearing her seat belt in that particular item I've had that before when yeah, that's a great one parked. <laughs> but the car's been parked you know what I mean and I've just got in and spoke about it but just but now on social media if you don't like somebody boom gone you know it's it's I think that's a sad state of affairs because it's because you could say a hundred lovely things about <laughs> somebody and one nasty thing, and it's human nature that we will mm. think about that one nasty thing. 
So just be careful next time you want to make a complaint and maybe pick up a pen, write a letter. <laughs> and if you still feel that like you want to send it, send it. <laughs> Again, yeah, so if, you, if you can't spend the time to write it out, why, why, why should you send it to the person in the first place? Like you see, the effort it's going to take for you to get a pen and paper out almost stops you, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah world... exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. I do. No, but I mean, that's one of the, I mean, if I, I, especially I've got that thing where you, you know, if you're angry at someone, you write a letter and it, if it sounds horrible, maybe don't say it to them. <laughs> you just get it yeah. out, get it yes. out on a piece of paper and just, and just leave it on that piece of paper. Yeah, exactly, Harry. Wise words. But that's an interesting point. Then why don't you think there is feedback? Because I mean, everyone who's going for their own thing, everyone's, you know, winging yeah. it. I guess maybe that's yeah. why there's no feedback because everyone, everyone doesn't think they're qualified if that's, that's, how, that's how you felt going yeah, into it. Yeah, well, may, maybe because on TV, it's sort of you're more personality led mm. for many, many shows. And so potentially it, you sort of the, the grown ups might be seen to be criticizing your personality. I don't know. Yeah. I don't really know. But also you would hope that everyone is of a professional standard that, you know, we, we all go to a film day and, and do the best job that we can, which we all do. Yeah, and of course, again, no, definitely. <laughs> but if, and in particular, because you, you've got such—I mean, how did you hone your personality? Is that something you can hone? I mean, I'm interested in—you know—have you always been like this? Is this something that you've turned on for the cameras, or how does it work? Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I have come across a few people who do turn it on for the camera, and then behind the scenes, they're they're not quite mm. the the person that they are but you know I haven't got time in my life or the brain power to work that out so I am a real half glass full human being I'm so optimistic and I just bounce around from day to day and I think that just and and also you know when I'm presenting and driving cars Mm. I've got I believe I've got the best job in the world so I am happy as Larry and also having had children and if there's any parent listening they will know that going to work is a holiday compared to being at home looking after kids <laughs> so so since I've had children I think I've been on a sort of triple dose mm. of happiness each time I've, I've gone away to work so it's you know it's just it's joyous and it's lovely and I enjoy talking about cars and most of the people I meet have an interest in cars so there's always you know, a good sort of starting starting block for some chats and nice chats to have. So cars have been very good to me. That is, it's one of those things I think, you know, that is, it is for, for I mean, for petrol heads and, and car enthusiasts and you're being a presenter on, you know, top gear, fifth gears, it's, it's the best job in the world, isn't it? Because you get to speak your passion in front of everyone. You get to be submersed, but you get to be surrounded by, you get to be surrounded by other people as well who love the same thing as you do. Yeah, exactly. But I've always thought like perhaps the best job in the world would be to be a racing driver and be paid for it. But then then that brings different pressures, which I will never experience on the TV side of things because we just, you know, just have a giggle. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, if you look at Lana Norris, he's having a a right giggle, isn't he? So maybe it's not. (laughs) No, that's very true. Yeah. That's interesting. There's a white, you know, you, you mentioned fate earlier on, but I mean, I, I also mm. believe that everyone, everyone gets their own, you know, you make a choice and obviously you've gone, you went from, you know, what car to top gear. Why, why was racing not more of a focus? Was it something that, you know, was, was it money? Was, was that the problem? Cause I've spoken to loads of people that went, we just simply couldn't get the funds together. 
Yeah. You need three things. You need luck, money, and sort of the opportunity to be in the same stratosphere at exactly the same time. Those things Mm. didn't happen for me. So I wanted to be a Formula One driver. I was uh, racing single seaters. So the very bottom rung of the Formula One sort of career ladder. So I was there at the bottom racing and I just couldn't get the money together to go up to the next level, to the next one, to the next one. So it was definitely a matter of money for me. So at the age, at the tender age of 18 years old, I realised that my dream of becoming a Formula One driver was not going to happen, which was quite a a strong thing to have to deal with when you're 18 and, you know, you're just starting out and you realise actually, do you know what? It's not going to happen for me. This isn't going to work. So amazingly I ended up working on magazines that where I could race for free to talk about and write about them in the magazine so in a way I absolutely got my wish to continue racing and you know and not not having to to pay for the racing but being it's being as part of my job I mean how amazing Mm -hmm. is that so I feel that that it, it all happened for you know a particular reason but there are so many drivers that I could tell you who should be in Formula One now but aren't because they didn't have the funding to get there it is well which and again which is why my children play tennis (laughs) 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 stick a tennis racket in the hand yeah let them hit a ball not drive a car yeah exactly (laughs) it's it's gonna end a lot better for you and your pockets um But how was how was being balancing family life? I'm not saying that you know, and I get it. Like I understand because I've spoken to many different women in different indus- industries in the automotive that you know you're not expected to to grow bring a family up. You know you're expected to stay at home. And that's what used to happen, and I I don't know why, but we still seem to have like a stigma around you know women in the industry and being a mother. So what was that like for you? I'm interested. I want I want to know how did you navigate that. So, so my husband is he well he was at the time when we had our first child he was the series director for Top Gear and he's mm. now the series director for the Grand Tour so we're both in the same industry and I was a naive little puppy because I thought oh when the baby comes along I'll look after the baby half of the time and my husband will look after the baby the other half of the time <laughs> it doesn't work like that <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if there is just something mater- that our maternal instincts just are better and we just mm. take on that role more automatically. Of course, there are plenty of high-flying women who have got amazing careers, but to be able to do that, you need another wife, basically. Mm. If, I, if, I had an- another, if I had a wife... <laughs> as well as my husband, obviously, but I need another me. I need Mm. another me. But I have managed to still film every single year for Fifth Gear, and I do an ITV4 show called The Car Years, which is sort of a classic car show, which is really fun. And I, you know, I work for, on the corporate side of things, hosting events, I still write. So I've managed to juggle it all, but it is a juggle. It really is. And trying to sort out childcare is the bane of my life because you're just juggling diaries and and I don't work 
every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or every Thursday, Friday. My days are so sporadic that it's very difficult to get somebody on a permanent basis who you know wants to work such ad hoc mad hours but I appreciate that that is a very boring domestic tedious side of things <laughs> I don't want to drag it down too much but it but it is that is you know it's the practical side and it's really a, a, an utter pain is just to sort out childcare no and it's, it's one of those things where I, I it's, it's a childcare I don't think it's ever a topic I've spoken about the podcast but I will <laughs> <laughs> I could never take my children to work. So I always think everyone should have a crash at work because that would be so brilliant. But I could never take my children to work because they don't want to be thrown around in the back of a car. And we move from one place to another. We're constant, you know, we would travel when we're filming, you know, across, I don't know, maybe 50 miles, maybe more, mm. whatever. And we're, we're so far away from home to start with that I've always had an overnight. So taking kids, yeah. my kids to my work is never really been possible. But if you are the boss of a company, please, could you put a question for other people? <laughs> I think that's a great point. And, and like I say, when I'm, I'm never talking about childcare because I don't think it's something that, um, I, again, I've never approached the topic, but I'm glad you spoke about it. And it's, again, like I'm trying to make this podcast something that helps everyone in the industry understand what it's like. And if you want to go into the industry, like childcare, great, bring it, like have oh, it. Oh, Harry, <laughs> I, honestly, Harry, I really appreciate you asking about it because it is a really important everyday issue and to get more women into the industry mm. you, we need in, the industry needs to be as accessible as possible to, to you know to everybody yeah I mean, I, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn a lot and there are a lot of people that you know follow the the female influencers on there and they you know there's all the questions in the comments are always how do you do it what are you doing like what does your day-to-day look like and I think it's something that even though it's not the most glamorous of topics, like, you know, working with Gemma Clarkson, I'm getting, what is childcare like for you? Which, <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it looks like looking after Jeremy is childcare, but I, Do you know, I wouldn't exactly, know. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, spot on. Spot on. He, he oh, was dear. great for, to work with, though. It's so, so good. So informative. But such a brilliant brain. And and such a professional broadcaster, he he is and still is today when he does his grand tour stuff. He mm. just he knows what works. And if you've ever written, if you've ever read any of his written work as well, just beautifully composed stuff. So he was a great person to, for me to be around in my early telly years. And, and speaking of early years, do your kids know what you do? Do they understand what you do? Because I know that I didn't understand what my dad did till I was eighteen. Um, so it took me a while to figure that one out. Well, I understood he was an in insurance. I never did. He never understood what he did. So I, I, I wonder if they know what you do. Do my kids know what I do for it? Yes, yes, they do. Because when they were both um, eight, seven, or eight years old, the school and the school knows what we do mm. for a living. But they have um, inspirational days, and they asked oh. me if I would like to go in and inspire the children. So I went in when they were both eight years old. So done, done it twice now. Mm. In my racing overalls, with my helmet, took my trophy in, took some, some, uh, you know, some footage, took some uh, photos in, and got them to draw, talk about cars, draw some cars, and it was so lovely, just mm. so wonderful, just to go in and show 
people what you can do with a car you don't have to be a racing driver you can be a designer you can be a mechanic you know just to open the topic of cars it was really special thing for me to have done that I loved it so I think from that point of view they you know I've probably rammed it down their throat enough on that day that they do know what I do for a living but also I've I have raced um and they've both been there racing and it was actually the first time that I realised that I was a role model as a mummy because the children said to me afterwards, oh, mum, we were screaming and shouting for you. We were so happy. You know, we loved seeing you out there. You know, I want to be a race driver when I grow up. It, it was amazing. It really mm. shook me that, that they what they saw was then them just sort of making their ideas concrete for their future and, and what and who I was as a person it's really lovely and because i guess they are the future so making sure that they they know what's going on and making sure that they know you know all know what excites them you know making them excited and you know knowing what they like you know make sure it easy make it does it make it easier to help them with that then when they leave school and you you've got more an idea of what they what they like and what they don't like yeah there's there's also a, a company called young drivers okay that goes around the country and goes to various car parks and from the age of I think maybe six years old you can get in a car um which eventually becomes like a proper car at the age of like 12 I think it's like Vauxhall Corsas or Ford Fiesta something like that and that they simulate you know traffic lights and stops and starts so I've I'm getting my kids into that quite early as well just so that they've got an understanding for for what happens so if you have a youngster that you know I would recommend getting them down there for some practice um and, and speaking about the future vicky and before before we get to the end sort of five questions i do, I do want to know for you like in, in five ten years time what does you know what does vicky's life look like what do you do you have and again you know you're more about going with the flow but if you could pick and choose what you were doing and you know what would that look like um on a beach in mauritius <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't, I would love to be, I'd love to be racing. So I I race about once a year now. Mm. So I'd still like to be doing that. And if, if, um, yeah, I'd I'd just love to be doing more of the same, more of the same. That's great. Yeah. Because yeah, in my opinion, there, there are people that plan like me and I, I, I plan to a T. I don't know why I'll get out, I'll get out of the habit of doing it in a second, but um. Because it's only, it's only it's only brought me sadness if I might <laughs> disappointment. But there we go. I've got to stop learning to do that. Um, but oh, you know, really? Are, 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 well, not on sadness and disappointment. That's a bit a bit sad. But I mean, there's stuff I I have quite high hopes and aspirations, and I, I plan. And as if you know, in years time, X hasn't happened. I go okay. a bit like ah poo. But you know, I'm, I'm learning yeah. more to you know get out of that habit of of, of maybe overshooting the uh, the time. Yeah. I know that some people do have, you know, a five-year goal or ten-year goal or ten-year plan. I've never done that. Hmm. I, I've never done that. Maybe I should have done. <laughs> well, it seems like you've done pretty well at not not planning. So <laughs> I yeah, we'll... I'll, I'll, I'll continue not planning. Brilliant. And Vicky, there is. We know we are coming to the end, so there are those five questions. Um, it's like a sort of like a speed speed round. Uh, the first one is, and this is a tricky one for everyone. What is your ultimate three-car garage? Range Rover, Porsche 911, Lamborghini Diablo GT. Nice, nice. Plus I, I, 30 I, I, more. <laughs> plus plus three, 30 more three-car garages. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> Brilliant. Fantastic. What uh, was the your three week... car garage, Harry? Um, I, that's a that's one I I don't have. I mean, if I had to okay. off the top of my head, it would be um, classic nineteen sixty five Mini Cooper S. That is always Ooh. one I've wanted to have. Um, yeah. I mean, recently the seven six five LT. That's been something that oh, I love. Oh yeah. And then I'd love them. I love a six by six. I don't care what it is. I just would like a six by six. So even Check, if it's a yeah. six by six mini, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be fantastic. <laughs> oh, see, isn't that interesting? Because all of a sudden now, I've, your character has been painted in a three car garage. That's really lovely. A little bit quirky. Cute. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank you. <laughs> nice. um, the, the next question, Vicky, is you know, you've, you've got one car to drive on any road or track, but you can only do it once. Where would you go and what would you take? Oh, Porsche 911, 997, oh no, hang on a minute, yeah, 997 GT3 RS, mm. where would I go, somewhere twisty, oh, where would I go, I go to a racing circuit, I go to where would I go? I'd go to the Nurburgring because it's really long, and if I could only do it one time, then I'd have a nice long one. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant! I, I once had go? someone. Uh, okay. I, I, no, no, it's how I once had someone say Daytona. I think it was hilarious because you know that <laughs> you just go around in a circle. Um, but no, I, I think I, I would, I would, I don't know. I've always wanted to try. I think it's called the Trans. I can't remember how to pronounce it. But the Transligarian Highway. I mean, it looks fun. Um, I would want to give it a go and, and something really slow, nothing, nothing quick, because apparently Winnebago. you can't get Winnebago. That I, that would be interesting. That would be a story. <laughs> <laughs> it's when you it's when you get a bit too fancy with it, it starts rolling down, just rolling yeah. down a hill now because you've, you've over egged it a bit too much. So you don't actually get to drive the road; you've just fell down it. Oh, um, uh, not good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it would go viral. So I uh, you know. What, yes, exactly. Yeah. I've got I've got that now, so thank you. <laughs> if anything if it really push comes to shove. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Um but yeah, if I could do that again, this I I will hark on about this till I die, but this podcast is about helping people sort of understand, you know, what is what is out there. And this this question was kind of designed for that. But if money was no object, and I think you've already asked this question, but I'll ask it anyway. If money was no object and you could do anything in the world for a living or a, or a purpose, what would that be? Okay, I know I've said Formula One driver. I'm, mm. I'm going to elevate this now because I want to be a jet fighter pilot. Because okay. when I was on Top Gear, we, Aston Martin came out with a new car and we won, we needed something to go against it. We're like, oh, Jaguar, is there anything with Jaguar that's come out? No, but there's a Jaguar jet fighter plane. So I went in the back seat of a Jaguar jet fighter plane whilst Tiff Nadell was in the Aston Martin and we went side by side along the runway until me and the Jag shot up and went off and out. And I just thought it was the bee's knees. I was wearing a mm. G suit, which kept a lot, you know, kept pressurizing me all, all over me just to make sure that the blood, you know, stayed up in my head. We were pulling big G's. I mean, it was phenomenal. So now I got back down on the ground. I was like, oh my God, I think I need to be a fighter pilot. What do I do? <laughs> and they said, well, you've got to be under the age of 25. And then I was like, oh, uh, I was 25. And so that was it. Oh. So, yeah. 
So have you got if you're listening license? to this and you're 24 and a half, <laughs> go and check it out. <laughs> the rules go might have changed it. by now, but, but yeah. What, what about you, Harry? You've still got your um, dream. Yeah, no, I, I'm lucky enough to be under 25, so I might just take your dream. Um, no, I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I've always wanted to just, as long as it's along the, you know, the lines of helping people, um, educating people or you know entertaining people I don't really care what it is um, oh lovely I, I, I'm more in, more entitled to do those three things as long as it has those three things in it I guess I'm I'm yeah. better off for it yeah lovely great to yeah. hear but if I had to pick you know fighter pilot's not a bad one so <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, like the fighting bit you see that's that might that's that the fighting I mean, side yeah, of things if you're yeah, bad at it it's a very short career I guess isn't it it's very true very true <laughs> You get to, you get to look what is it, blaze of glory, whatever it is. There we are. Yeah, no, not good. But um, but Vicky, you know, again, you know, getting a job is something that is very very difficult for a lot of people. And if you were to give advice to someone that you know, what would the advice be to to a young person that wants to you know really make really make a difference in their life? What would that advice be to to young? I would one hundred percent say find out what your passion is and and follow that Mm. so if for example it is writing then volunteer to your local newspaper um or if you you know any car magazine or photograph magazine whatever you're interested in as well as writing and just go and do some work experience you know don't be afraid to go and give up a week and not be paid for it just so that you can get experience because so often when we had work experience people on the magazines there was a job opportunity that came up and if they had if we'd remembered somebody being quite diligent forward thinking keen enthusiastic we were like oh mm. do you know what why don't we give them a go because they were really good when they came here so just do that don't be afraid to do it invest in yourself in that way and good luck yeah well brilliant they'd be nosy i guess is the uh Sit, sit your head in places and just, just show up. Exactly. Inquisitive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the last question, uh, Vicky, is, is and this is uh, one that harks back to the beginning, but um, what do you love most about cars? I have never been that bothered about how a car looks. All I really care about is the engine. It must be rear wheel drive. Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Just have, have a cracking chassis, rear wheel drive, and a cracking engine. Yeah, mm. honestly, I, I, it could look, you know, it could look like a Tesla. I wouldn't mind, so long as it went well. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if anyone out there wants to stick a, uh, you know, an E46 on a Fiat Multipler, uh, that'd be uh, great. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got it. You have got it. That's it. You nailed yeah. it. Yeah, perfect. Fantastic. Brilliant. <laughs> well, Vicky, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a it's great to get to know, get to know you and your story. Thank you. Oh, Harry, thank you so much. You you emanate loveliness. So thank you. I wanted to say a massive well done and thank you for taking your time to listen to what me and my guests have to say. This podcast was designed to help people in the automotive and motorsport industries. And so if you think I've done that, please hit follow on this app. I would really appreciate it and it would help us get bigger and better guests. See you next time.